What's going on? Why are they doing offering right now? We're just switching it up today, all right? Uh, I want to, behalf, on behalf of Pastor Allen, thank you for praying for him. He had success, well, he didn't do his surgery on himself, but surgery was successful for him on Friday. He's home and b- will be recovering for a couple of days. So I think he wanted me to tell you thanks for those of you who've been sending him texts and emails. Uh, it probably wouldn't hurt to keep him coming and just to encourage him over the next day or so while he's still, you know, just laid up. So I'm uh, Uh, Thank you for doing that and continue to do that. If you are visiting with us today, I want to ask you, if you haven't already done so, take the Get Acquainted card that's in the rack in the chair right in front of you and take that out and fill that out for us. Normally we say drop it in the offering plate, but if you're just taking it out, uh, that's not going to happen right now. So I encourage you to take it to our guest services desk, which is in the hallway to my left after the service. They'll be happy to answer any questions you have about the church and uh, welcome you. They have a gift for you. And if you'll take that card there, uh, that will uh, help us get to know you a little bit better and be able to serve you in any way that we can. I'm going to actually go ahead and jump into the message right now. So if you want to get out your Bibles, I encourage you, not if you want to, if you'll get out your Bibles and get out your bulletin and turn on the back of the bulletin, and today we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to have sort of a two-part deal going on. We're going to have, you might call intermission or halftime. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's Super Bowl Sunday. That's just how it worked out, all right? So I'm going to jump in, and you can see on the back of your bulletin, you see a title with a a why question on there. Before we get into that, have you ever been asked uh, by someone, or maybe you've asked a similar kind of question to somebody, of why they do what they do because it just doesn't make sense to you? Yeah? Some of y'all ask me, why do I run? Because that just doesn't make sense to you. Why, why do you run and travel and uh, do that? I want to show you some pictures of a friend of mine who did something that you might say, why would anybody do that? She just recently traveled to Africa with a team and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. I said, what in the world are you doing? Uh, the first picture that you'll see, I think that's actually... Uh, these might not be in the order that I uh, had. Go back to the very first picture. That one. Yeah, there you go. That picture is 12,000 feet up on the side of Mount Kilimanjaro. That uh, little house there is an example of a hut. And they stayed when they were climbing up. It took them five days to climb wow. up and down. That's just crazy enough. Why would you do that? But they stayed about 12,000 feet up in, these, in these, uh, this one campsite as they're going up and then as they come down. And that's the shot that they got 12,000 feet up. On the next slide, you see a night shot. And I just thought that was such a cool picture of them. That is the night that they're climbing the summit to get to the top. And it took all night to get there. And uh, that's a scene of them. She's the very last one in that line. And then on the next slide, you see her at the top. She reached it. There was a, she didn't know for sure if she would make it, but 19,000 feet in the air is the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. That's the tallest freestanding mountain. So she can say she did that. I don't know if that's the reason she did it uh, per se, but she can say that she did that. The next slide is the uh, picture that they got on the way down from the top of the mountain. They had been up in the clouds and the weather, and this is what God gave them on their way down. Isn't that cool? Why in the world she did this? Well, I can tell you two reasons based on what she posted about her journey. Not only did she go with the team to experience climbing that mountain and to say she got to the top of that, but their church, that she's from, uh, at a church in Colorado, 
their church partners with the mission there in Africa. So they went uh, to do some ministry there with that ministry, but also they raised funds as part of their effort to climb up the mountain. So they were doing that. But she also went there for personal reason. She said, I went there because there were some things that I just, this was an example of how I can overcome some fears in my life. So that was her explanation. On the back of your bulletin, you see this question. Why go to church? Now, you may think, John, uh, I show up, so I'm not sure why we need to talk about that question. Well, here's why I'm going to talk about it. Uh, you may have people in your life who don't go to church, and they may have asked you this question. Anybody ever had that question posed to you in some form or fashion? Yeah, see that? Why, why do you bother? Or what's that about? It's not that they think we're crazy. They might think we're crazy, but it's more of distant curiosity. Like, what do you get out of that? That's the kind of conversations I've had with a couple of friends who don't go to church. And often, well, I had one who has come to church uh, here and, and other uh, places, and she still doesn't quite get it. So I think it's good for us to talk about this so that when we are asked that question, we don't have to worry about what the right answer is. You may, well, I don't have a problem answering that. Well, I don't know. We'll find out today as we talk through this if we do or do not have a problem with answering this question. And we're going to jump off by reading uh, the first 10 verses of Psalm 40. I'll get to this over here in a minute. I know you're like, what's going on with that table? We'll get to that later. That's part two. You have to wait till the end. Sorry. <laughs> Psalm 40, the first 10 verses, I want to uh, read these verses to you. You can stay seated as I read these verses. And this is going to help answer some of this question. Why do we go to church? What's the point of this? Follow along as I read the first 10 verses. David's writing here, and he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. We've already sang about some of this. Have you noticed that? He put a new song in your mouth, I'm free. Verse four, how happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies? Lord, my God, you have done many things, your wondrous works and your plans for us. None can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, see, I have come. In the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. Verse 10, I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. There's so many examples in those 10 verses of what David is saying, of what he does, what he wants to do, and why he goes to meet in the assembly. Before we jump into those, you see verse, or point one there on your sheet. I think it might be helpful to us to know why we don't come here. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. So the first thought on your sheet is, we don't come to church to make ourselves feel good. Hmm. You're like, well, John, when I leave here, I do feel good. Well, that's good. Good job, everybody. If we leave here and we're feeling good. But think about that. If that's the sole reason 
that we come to church, who's that about? It's about me. And if, I'm, if I allow that kind of thinking and mindset to be why I show up, that's going to play out into all kinds of stuff that really is all about me, right? And there's where some people wonder, well, why do you bother? Because you can be all about yourself at home in bed. You can be at home or, or go out to brunch or, you know, whatever. If it's all just going to be about you, then whatever. Why bother? We don't come here to make ourselves feel good. Now, this is important because, again, if, if this is our focus, it's going, to be, it's going to become about, well, what do I want? Is it going to meet my, what I feel like is important to me? And we could go down a list. I'm not going to bother with the list, but we could go down the list of I'm showing up because I need something and I want what I want. And I actually might get a little irritated if I don't get what I want. Then why bother? Right? So we don't come here just to make ourselves feel good. In fact, we should come here, and this, I'm going to skip ahead. You don't have to skip the slide. But we should come here basically to do what we've been doing all week long. We just get to come together and do it with everybody else who says they do the same thing all week long as Christians. Because if we only show up here on Sunday morning to do Christian stuff for a few hours, and then suddenly when I get out on Manatee Avenue, it's gone because I don't feel good when I get out on Manatee Avenue, you know, sometimes. Or you get to the restaurant, and if you go to the restaurant, and they don't have, they ran out of what you wanted or whatever it is. Suddenly, the feeling that you got in here is gone, right? If it's all about feelings. I read a book recently. I've read it actually quite a few times the last couple of years by an author and pastor whose name is Paul David Tripp. And the name of the book is Awe. And the basic premise of the book is that I need to live my life in awe of God more than in awe of anything else. And he talks about that there's a war that goes on between myself being in awe of myself and being in awe of God. Does that ring true? A war can go on in our lives. And Satan's good about making it big, making that war big. So it plays out in all kinds of ways. And he says this in the book, he says, the opposite of praise, which is what we've been doing this morning already, the opposite of that is complaining, anti-praise which is because I show up wanting what I want. And he, what I love about uh, following him on Twitter, I follow him on Twitter, he's, he's constantly, if you, if you, Paul David Tripp's his name. It's not on the slide. Paul David Tripp, if you want to write it down. But he tweets every Sunday morning a definition or an um, explanation of what corporate worship is about. And I want to share some of these with you over the last couple, that he has uh, tweeted over the last couple of weeks. Here's one from January 19th. He said, corporate worship is designed to call you to forsake your allegiance to the kingdom of self and to give yourself with joy to the glory of the king and the work of his kingdom. Can you say amen there? Amen. It's not allegiance to your kingdom. That's from January 19th. Here's one that he posted on December 1st, back before Christmas. Corporate worship is designed to cause you to gladly love and serve the Lord Jesus more deeply and fully than you love and serve any other thing or person on earth. 
and it includes me. It includes any person in this room and it includes this church. I am here to show that I love and serve the Lord Jesus more deeply and fully than anything or anybody else. Final one, number three, from January 5th, he said, corporate worship is designed to remind you that the Lord of goodness, glory, and grace is near, and he receives your worship and hears your cries. So just look at that one for a second. The Lord of goodness, glory, and grace is near. Does that mean he's only in this room? He's everywhere. Hallelujah. So that means when I leave here, what can make me feel good is I'm not leaving his presence. He's with me everywhere I go. It don't have to be about me at all. And it shouldn't be about me. That's why we're going to go to point number two now. Enough of the why we don't come here. Let's talk about why we come here. We come here and I'm going to give some points underneath this, but you see this on your sheet. It's already written out for you. We come here to do with others what I've been doing all week long, what I've already been doing. I'm just coming here to do it with everybody else. Because those people who don't go to church, who don't understand why we come here, they're expecting when we show up here that we act like what we say we are the rest of the week. Yeah? And when they see, like, I'm not so sure what she just said right there. She should have said she's in church. You know what that says to them? Well, they must think that's okay, and they're probably doing it the rest of the week, and they're probably doing something more than that. So I'm just coming here on Sunday morning to do with everybody else what I've already been doing all week long. What is that? First thought, I'm here to praise God. I'm not here to praise myself. I'm not here to praise a denomination. I'm not here. To, I'm here to praise God. Yes? And David talked about that in Psalm 40. You look at, back at verse 9 and 10. He's, he's like, I come here and I can't help myself. I'm going to talk about your righteousness. I can't even keep my mouth shut. I show up here to talk about you. I'm here to praise you. Here's another verse from uh, the book of Psalms, Psalms 149, verse 1 on the screen. Uh, how about you read this with me? Let's read it together. Hallelujah. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the faithful. We show up here, and we've already done it. We're going to do it some more, by the way. They didn't just sing two songs, and now they're sitting up here looking pretty. They're, we're going to uh, do some more songs in just a second, although y'all do look pretty. <laughs> yes. So we come here to praise God. Think about that. If I've been doing that all week long, whatever that looks like, it's natural when I walk in this room, when I walk on this campus, when I go in my life group at nine o'clock, it's just very natural because I've, I've already been doing it. And that can look like all kinds of things. And if I'm not too attached to what that looks like when I show up in here, I don't really care what it looks like in here either, just as long as we're doing it. Yeah? Let's just get here and let's just praise God. I don't care if they're up here or not. Y'all look pretty still. It, it doesn't matter if there's 500 instruments or two. If there's one singer or a thousand, whatever, we're here praising God. Yeah? That's why we come here, and it's an extension of what we've already been doing all week long. We just get to do it together, and how glorifying to God is that? That we get to come here and praise God. Let's talk about number two. I come here to praise God, and then I come here to pray to God. Look at these verses, uh, first from Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. 
It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When I take the truths of that verse all week long with me, sometimes I don't know how to pray, or I'm so caught up and what's going on, it's hard to put the words. I know, what I, I know what's in my head and in my heart, but I don't know how to say it. There's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Yes? So when I show up here and someone starts telling me about something I didn't know anything about and I don't quite know how to pray about it, I already have an experience with the Holy Spirit helping me do that. And I show up ready to do it. I've already been doing it. Look at these verses from Hebrews chapter 10. I won't read the whole passage on your sheet. It says Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. The first part of those, that passage is the reminder that when Jesus died for us and went back to heaven, he is now our high priest. And because he's there and he empathizes with us, he intercedes for us. So that means we can boldly approach him with our prayers. And look what verse 24 and 25 say of Hebrews 10. It says, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting together together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Is that not clear why we should come together on Sundays? I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to pray with you. I'm here to provoke you to good works. I'm here to do life with you. And if I've been doing all that all week long, how powerful would that be if we show up with that same mindset? that I'm here to pray with you. Not just you, but you know, you follow me. How powerful would that be if I show up, not concerned about am I gonna get prayed for, but how could I pray for you? So we're gonna pause right now, it's now intermission. We're gonna pause right now and we're going to do the two things we just talked about. We're gonna praise a little bit more and in the middle of this song we're about to sing, we're gonna pause and we're actually gonna to pray together. Y'all ready? If you're not, I'll help you. Stand up and before we sing this song, we wanna read a verse together. I want you to read this verse with me. At the end of Psalm 40, we started reading the first 10 verses of uh, Psalm 40. So this verse in Psalm six, uh, 40, verse 16, we're gonna read this, and the reason we're gonna read it is because it's a reminder of why we're here, but there's words in this verse that are in the song we're about to sing. So let's read this together. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. Let's sing this song, Great Are You, Lord. Before we come on to uh, the second half of the, of the message, I want to highlight a couple of books for you. I'm going to be talking about some notes that uh, come from these two books, and they're both written by pastors, and uh, they're about this particular point we're going to talk about of why we come here. Maybe we should review before we jump in. All right, we said we don't come here to feel good, right? We come here so far to praise God, and then we come here to pray to God. And the next thing we're gonna talk about is helpful. These two books that, uh, the uh, images hopefully are gonna be on the screen here for a couple of books. And one is called The Listening Life by Adam McHugh. 
and the other one is called a spirituality, oh, there they are. I'm looking for it back there, I don't see it. A Spirituality of Listening by Keith Anderson. Uh, both of these uh, guys are pastors, and uh, as you can guess, you probably can fill in the blank on your sheet. So what do you think it is? Listen. There you go. So we come here to listen to God. We come to pr- praise. We come here to pray. And now let's talk about what it means to listen to God. In order to do that, I want to <clears throat> get my notes in order here. Uh, let's look at one of the quotes here from Keith Anderson in his uh, book, A Spirituality of Listening. He says, in Greek, the verb to listen can also mean to answer the door. In other words, to give ear to one who is present or entrance to one who waits. So when I come here, again, just a reminder, I should be doing this all week long, but when I come here, I'm giving my ear to one who is present. My ear is toward God. I'm here to listen to him, not that anybody else here isn't important. Y'all just shared with each other, so you listen to each other, but I'm mostly here to listen to what God has to say. Yes? Now, it may be a human that he's speaking through, but his word is what's powerful, and that's what I'm listening for. What does he have for me? And when I'm doing this all week long, I'm already in tune to what that sounds like, how he can speak to me, because he doesn't just speak to me on Sunday morning, hopefully. Amen. Yeah? He, can sp- he should, if he's near, that verse we talked about just a second ago, if he's near, he can talk to me whenever he wants. Thank God, because I need him. We all need him. So when I show up here, I'm giving him my ear to one who's always present, and it says entrance to one who waits. Wow. I'm giving him entrance in, and he's been waiting for me. Huh. He longs to commune with me. He longs to talk with me. If I'm doing praise and prayer right, it's not just a one-sided conversation. It's two-sided. Yes? If you sit down at the table and there's other people at the table and only one person talks, that's pretty boring conversation. You've been there and done that. It's like, can you just stop talking so we can talk? Is it possible that maybe your prayer life is not as full as it could be if you just stop talking and just listen? Look at this verse from Isaiah 50, verse 4. Isaiah 54 says, The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with the word. He awakens me each morning, not just Sundays. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. This sounds similar to verse 6 from Psalm 40 where he said, You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. One of the guys in their book, he, he said that in the Hebrew, for uh, Psalm 40, verse 6, the imagery is that God is digging in to the side of my head and opening me up. You open my ears. Why? Because actually, if I'm not careful, I can close my ears off to God. Yeah? I certainly did that before I knew him. I was listening to all other kinds of conversations, and he wasn't in the conversation. Now, he has, he opens my ears. The verse from Isaiah says he does that every morning. It's just a matter of am I going to listen? 
So when I come here on Sundays, I should have done everything I can to make sure my ears completely open and I'm ready to listen. So when I show up here, here's your first blank under listening to God, I listen with new ears. Woo, That's, that should tell you how great it is to be a child of God. That the creator, your creator, your savior, your redeemer, everything you need wants to tell you something. And he's given you the ear. He's opened you up so you can hear it. So listen with new ears. Second thought under listen is listen in faith. Look at this verse from 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Paul is writing to a church in Thessalonica, and he says this in verse 13 of chapter 2. This is why we constantly thank God. He's about to tell them, I thank God for you. And here's why. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. So not only do I get to listen with new ears, I should listen in faith that whatever he says is going to come to pass, it's going to come to pass. That whatever he says is possible, is possible. That whatever he says he wants me to do, I should do it not worrying about whether it's possible or not because he's God. So I can listen in faith at whatever he's telling me, even when it doesn't seem to make sense to me. He's God. He's a little bit smarter than I am. He's way smarter than me. So I come here, and if I've been doing this all week long, I'm just going to keep pounding that drum. If I do this all week long, imagine what's possible that I can hear on Sundays when someone has spent time listening to God to pass on a message to me. And when everybody else here has been doing the same thing and we're here just to hear what God has to say, not to hear about whether we ran out of toilet paper, not that that's not important. I mean, let's <laughs> just be clear. But if we show up to listen with new ears and listen in faith, the conversation is so different. Look at this quote. Sorry, let me get, get to a third point there. Listen with new ears, listen in faith, and then listen with your feet. What in the world does that mean? Because feet don't have ear canal. What in the world is that? Well, here's a quote from uh, Adam McHugh in his book, A Listening Life. He says, when Jesus says, follow me, we listen as a sprinter in the blocks listens for the starter's pistol, muscles taunt, poised for action. Do you, you get that imagery? I'm down, I'm ready to run, but I can't run yet until that pistol shoots off. Follow me. He said, you've heard the phrase, you vote with your feet. Well, you also listen with your feet. Pastor Allen spoke the last four weeks about trust, in particular, how that applies to us in our stewardship and in our finances. So how did we listen? It's just an illustration, opportunity for us. Did we listen with new ears? Did we listen in faith? Did we listen with our feet? How does that play out? So every time, again, during the week, when God tells me something, do I actually follow through with it? If it's an immediate thing that he's telling me to do, hey, call your neighbor. I don't know why, it doesn't matter. Call your neighbor. Are my feet ready? If I'm following him, 
that's how I should live. And when I come in here, when I go to my life group, I'm ready to listen with my feet and just do what he says. Here's another quote from Keith Anderson about this. This is pretty cool. My problem isn't the will of God I don't know yet. It's the will of God I already know but haven't done yet. That's my problem. And this is supported by these verses from Isaiah 55. These are familiar verses, but with these thoughts, listen to what Isaiah is saying in these verses from Isaiah 55, verses eight through 11. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. If I'm listening with my feet, I don't have to understand everything. I don't. How many of you struggle with that? My hand's up. It's like, I need to understand this before I bother to follow through. Well, that means I'm not listening with my feet. So if I'm challenged all week long and I give God the opportunity to speak to me and let me know what his thoughts are, let me know what his ways are, and I do it with my feet when I come in here, I'm more ready to do it with everybody else. For him, for his praise. So we come here to praise, we come here to pray, we come here to listen, we're listening with new ears and with, in faith and with our feet. And lastly, we come here to listen for redemption. That's an ongoing work, do you realize that? Your redemption is an ongoing work. It started back in the Garden of Eden God's work for redemption started way, way before any of us were even thought about. It started way back there. It's ongoing. Many of us in this room today, we had a moment in our life where we said, we, we allowed our ears to be open, and we said to God, I need you in my life. I don't want to go on without you. I'm a sinner. I know you sent your son for me. I need redemption. Many of us have said that prayer already. If you haven't, I'm gonna encourage you that today, th this is a good day to do that because everything I'm talking about, it won't make sense to keep showing up here if, if you don't have that relationship. For those of us who have done that, our redemption didn't stop. What do I mean by that? Well, are you perfect yet? <laughs> nope. It's called sanctification, so we're, we're consistent. We're constantly needing to listen to get closer to God, to be more like Him. So I need to listen for that. How many of you messed up this week? You just messed up if you didn't raise your hand. So I need to be listening 
for what it is that he needs to perfect in my heart and to make me more like him. Listen to this thought from Adam McHugh, the last quote I'm gonna give you from those two guys' writings. He said, Jesus' kingdom announcement and his cry to repent and believe was a summons to turn from the alternative voices you are following to hear the one true voice of the king. We could paraphrase repent and believe as close your ears and listen, meaning close your ears to all those other voices that aren't God's. Close your ears to them and listen to his voice. Obedience has both a stop and a start to it. We turn our backs to the old voices and offer our attention to Jesus' voice. If I have a practice every week, every day of the week, to sit down at the table, figuratively, and have a conversation with God that is more than give us today my daily bread, thank you, see you later, the one-sided kind of thing. Here's what the opportunity is that I have. The sun is setting here and he has the opportunity to empathize with me. He's been in my shoes. He bothered to come down to walk in my shoes and to provide everything I'm ever gonna need. He defeated sin and death and the hell for me. But now he sits on the Father's right hand to intercede for me. Imagine the impact if we and he and I had a conversation every day. The Holy Spirit, we read this earlier, he's here to interpret my groanings. Imagine what would happen if the groaning that I experienced that I don't know how to put into words at work if I had that conversation with him. If I don't know how to deal with my grandchild who's on drugs, if I don't know what to tell my neighbor who just lost their family member to suicide, if I don't know what to tell my patient who I have to tell has cancer, imagine what's possible if I have that kind of conversation. And when I show up here on Sundays, how powerful I already am because he's so present in my life. And then imagine what's possible when I don't say anything to the Father but just let him talk to me. And when I take off my earthly title of John or pastor or dad or husband and just put on the title of forgiven, redeemed, child of God, son of God, citizen of heaven, what he might wanna say to me. When it becomes a heavenly conversation more than an earthly conversation what if I walked in this room every Sunday and it felt like dress rehearsal for heaven? What kind of impact would that have in my life? What kind of impact would that have in my family, in my neighborhood, at my workplace? 
if I came in here ready to have dinner conversation with the Trinity? Because I've already been doing it all the other days of the week. I sent an email to some of the praise team members a week ago and asked them to think about a couple of questions. I'm gonna read these answers to you and then we're gonna sing a couple more songs to do what we came here to do. I asked them to answer a couple of questions in how they listen, what God's saying to them. I asked them to uh, think about some scripture that God has used to speak to them recently. I asked them to uh, reply on what God did say to them. And then were there any song lyrics that could connect that, that they could say, this is how I'm sort of responding, how I'm praising God back and what he's already said to me. Again, it's a two-sided conversation. It's not just one. Here's one reply from one of your praise team members. He said, recently I reread the words to Psalm 56.3. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. It's a verse I learned in, v in VBS. It has been for me a verse that I've held on to when life is a bit challenging. I remember it because it is a verse that I saw lived out in front of me by my parents. And so when I think of this verse, I do so with nostalgia for my childhood, with memories of mom and dad. And because when there is nothing else to trust, I can always trust in God and set all fear aside. That's the message he got from his father in this verse. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Secondly, I've wrestled with when to speak and when not to speak regarding spiritual matters. I believe there are times when we need to speak, but there are those times we should remain quiet or still and rest in him. The verse from Psalm 46 that says, be still and know that I am God comes to mind. For me, as I continue to learn and try to allow the Lord to lead me when to speak and when to be still. Does that relate to anybody in the room? What she's illustrating with that is that she wants to listen with her feet. Only move when God wants her to move, but she's ready to move when he says move. And she's listening with new ears. When do you want me to move? How do you want me to move? Be still and know that you are my God. Lastly, your third praise team member said, in the last year, amazing grace has spoken to me very loudly. It truly was an epiphany to realize the power of grace and to share it. So Amazing Grace is my song. I think it's one of the most perfect songs I've ever sung to the Lord. I especially like, my chains are gone, I've been set free. I think that makes the song even more powerful. There's so many references in the Bible to God's grace, but I picked one from Hebrews 4:16. That verse says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. She is listening with redemption. Grace has set her free. When you listen this week, are you gonna listen with new ears, with faith, with your feet, and listen for redemption? Chances are, if you do, when you come here next Sunday, well, I, I don't know what God's going to do for you, but wouldn't you want to know? If we practice 
why we go to church Monday through Saturday when we show up on Sunday, no one's ever gonna ask us again, why do you go to church? They're gonna already see it. It won't be a question. We're gonna wrap up today by singing Amazing Grace. And then we're gonna come back and sing one more song. It's the first song that we sang to get our service started. If you will, let's stand together. And while we sing this song, Frank and I will be down here. It may be that you wanna come down and do some more praying with God or with one of us, or you just wanna praise somewhere other than your seat. You do whatever you want during this song as we sing Amazing Grace.